Welcome to this episode of Ms. Law Explains Things. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Miss Law Explains Things. Okay, so this is my consolidation episode for the topic on market failure. And today we're going to look actually at a multi-causal issue of climate change. So actually under the overarching issue of climate change, right, we actually see all of the distinct sources of market failure that we actually have learned. Right, so we can think about it as a negative consumption externality in the fact that we are actually using plastic products, for example, in terms of our packaging. We have negative production externalities, so for example, air travel as well as the production of goods and services like steel uh, as well as meat. Right, They all actually generate external costs to the environment. And we know that these marginal external costs can be quantified to some extent in terms of, for example, the greenhouse gas emissions that are emitted that cause the temperature right, uh, of, the, of our, our planet to actually increase over time, you know, resulting in global warming. So it's quite an interesting issue because there's actually been a lot of papers, a lot of research done into the economics of climate change. And I think a lot of you are actually taking a bit of a taste of this entire discussion so even at the uni level, there's very uh, intense discussion about, you know, why people continue to pollute, uh, or why do people not commit to uh, certain uh, types of climate agreements because they are afraid that, for example, other countries may not do so. So there's a lot of actually underlying discussion here in climate change, and we have just actually started to scratch the surface. So just wanted to highlight a few things in this very uh, good commentary article that I was reading. Uh, known as uh, taking the climate fight beyond straws and tote bags, uh, individual actions that matter. So just from the title itself, it also actually kind of highlights to us that besides all of our marginal external costs, ETC, and our negative externality framework, it's also to some degree about the individual, about all of us individual consumers making like decisions at a micro level. right? For example, if we decide to use tote bags, we can actually start using less plastics, right? So we can use something that is reusable instead of something that is non-recyclable. And by making just of these small uh, changes in our consumption patterns, we can have a very dramatic impact on a much larger issue right, of climate change. And that also stems from the fact that maybe we suffer from imperfect information, right? and therefore we uh, under-consume maybe some of these uh, tote bags or we over-consume the plastics, right? plastic products as other things as well that contribute to climate change. And to some degree also, you might not have noticed, but climate change also does uh, kind of affect different economies and different countries differently. Right? So those that have the resources to actually tackle climate change are still faring much better uh, than those that do not, right? Or actually are struggling with the effects of climate change. So interestingly, uh, this article actually details uh, various aspects that we have actually looked at before in class. I just wanted to recap some uh, important final points that we might want to take away uh, in terms of our discussion as well as a few pointers that might actually uh, highlight some of these key aspects of market failure. So one of which actually is the use of like uh, reusable straws and bringing your own tote bags. So for example, if I were to ask you like what is the likely value of the cross elasticity of demand of plastic products and all of these tote bags, most of you would tell me that it's a substitute, so that's great. But, you know, how on earth, right, do we actually kind of like consider the magnitude of the CD? 
So do you think that these are closed substitutes or weak substitutes? Or does it depend on the consumer's perception, right? So some people might think, oh, yep, I don't mind using a tote bag because they're very closed substitutes. But some people might say, oh, no, no I, I find it very difficult, eh, very leche, it's very troublesome, you know, for me to go and buy another tote bag. I have to remember to bring it out. The convenience is like, you know, if I just go to the store, they're just going to put everything in the plastic bag and I can go off, right? So not everybody has the same, same tastes and preferences and it might actually be quite difficult to change people's uh, consumer perceptions. So you might actually have heard of this, but they actually launched uh, a few years ago uh, actually this uh, anti-plastic straw movement. Okay, So a lot of big corporations like Coffee Giant, Starbucks, for example, said that they would eliminate uh, plastic straws and other disposables. So actually this is great because you are actually working with uh, different stakeholders like um, all of these private firms. So they actually have to kind of start uh, the ball rolling, right, before actually individuals catch on to this idea. Like they have to set the example. Uh, uh, if, the, if the producers are not actually doing their bit, it's going to be very difficult for us to actually effect change on this uh, bigger issue of climate change. So interestingly, because of that, there was like a surge in the sale of all of these uh, reusable straws. So if I ask you, like, what's the demand factor, you could say, because people are increasingly environmentally conscious, right? So they are kind of supportive of the green movement. And as a result, you know, they increase their usage of uh, reusable straws. Some of you may have even been using these metal straws, right, to drink your kopi and your tea. Uh, and there's been an increase, actually, usage and consumption and demand for these goods in recent times. Uh, because of the shift um, in taste and preferences, something that's very fluid also, as we have seen, as one of the P-type factors. And... Even the supermarkets have also kind of jumped on the bandwagon and they are trying to give away these uh, free reusable bags to discourage consumers from using plastic bags. But of course, do also note that it also does involve a bit of a cost, right, to the supermarkets because they actually have to uh, provide these bags at their own uh, expense. And this is with the intention, of course, to discourage consumers from using plastic bags. So remember, when we have looked at market failure, if you do not want people to overconsume a good that you know generates negative externalities or is a demerit good, uh, you need to provide them with an alternative, right? So, for example, instead of using cars, you can use public transport, right? So instead of using plastic bags, maybe you can use these uh, reusable tote bags. So that's an important thing to provide people with options, right, and alternatives, and making these alternatives as attractive, you know, as fast-free and as convenient as possible so that people don't really see a difference, right, between the two goods. So, of course, we know that Singapore is going to be very negatively affected if uh, climate change were to accelerate the pace of climate change. And because of that, there's been a greater awareness amongst a lot of Singaporeans about the severity of the issue, right? Uh, but a lot of environmentalists challenge the fact that beyond just using reusable straws and bags, uh, we need to have a very big behavioural shift. So we realise that influencing consumer behaviour is one of the most difficult things that governments worldwide are trying to do. Right? To make people drink less sugar drinks, right? to make people drive less cars, to make people take you know, maybe less um, air travel, for example, or to, con to maybe be vegan on certain days. It's very difficult because people are very used to their own way of doing things. And they are unwilling to change, you know, uh, readily just because you gave them an alternative. It has to offer something that is similar, right, to whatever they were already enjoying using, you know, their, their status quo option, right? So changing consumer behavior is actually something that is very difficult. And a lot of different governments have many different approaches. Some of them, of course, provide information. Some try to use incentive-based systems, ETC. And 
interestingly, right, uh, what is important here is also the aspect of individual action. So to actually effect a larger uh, change, right, uh, against maybe this idea of climate change, uh, every person actually has to like put in their, their best effort. So that, for example, can come in the form of uh, switching off the aircon. So energy consumption in Singapore is a very big contributor to climate change. And if you think about it, uh, we have actually generated a lot of marginal external costs. Okay, and in Singapore, maybe because of our current climate, it's very hard for us not to use uh, aircon in certain uh, circumstances. So maybe the way forward for us is just to reduce our consumption or to use maybe more energy efficient devices like aircons, right? So we can always look at like, whether it is that energy efficiency rating, right? Or, for example. And that also kind of leads into like um, imperfect information. Making sure that you actually provide this information clearly. Remember the mandatory labeling of your sugar drinks? You can do the same for aircon, right? Or any electronic devices, right? That actually consume a lot of energy. It could even be like the fridge in your house, for example. If you put all of these labels very clearly when I actually buy the product, then I can actually make a very better informed decision about which thing I want to buy. Right? Of course, knowing in mind, keeping in mind that you know some of it is going to cause maybe more uh, dire uh, environmental impacts than others, but at least as a consumer, I am informed, right? And hopefully there won't be such a large gap between my MPB perceived and my MPB actual. And very interestingly, I think there's even uh, on the... There's even a website called What is My Carbon Footprint website which also helps us to estimate uh, accurately how all of the devices in our house uh, actually generate how much uh, elect, uh, carbon emissions which is great I think as well. So yeah, you know, air conditioning, um, energy consumption is one big, one big factor and the second factor is also our usage of cars. So we have looked at this extensively right over the past few weeks in terms of like how the usage of cars, a negative consumption externality, creates a lot of marginal external costs and how uh, there's been various measures put in place such as promoting the use of public transport uh, as well as uh, trying to restrict the number of cars on the road through ERP, uh, COE and various other uh, economic pricing strategies. Okay? Uh, but another important idea also that I thought I could just focus for a few uh, minutes or so is about the consumption of meat. The fact that we consume meat all right, is actually a negative production externality uh, to some extent if you're talking about the meat production itself. So meat production actually focuses on the fact of the rearing of livestock and the fact that all of these animals actually emit methane. Right? They emit methane gas into the atmosphere. But if we look at it from a consumption standpoint, it's the fact that you and me, we all cannot stop eating our Big Macs, right? And our burgers, and we find it very ghastly, for example, to eat a Beyond Burger, which is actually uh, a vegan alternative, a plant-based burger. We find it very hard too, because we can't change our tastes and preferences. For example, we've been brought up in an environment where we've just been eating this uh, whole lives, and we find it very hard to mentally accept uh, this new alternative. And that's why it's also quite difficult to uh, change people's uh, consumption behavior as well. In terms of like, for example, going vegan, it's very hard. Uh, unless we are actually very clear about the, the benefits behind this sort of lifestyle. And the article kind of ends off uh, by focusing on the airline industry and the fact that, you know, Singaporeans love for travel also just generate a lot of marginal external costs right, in terms of our fuel emissions from the aircraft and the fact that we travel so extensively as well as the fact that maybe kind of like to get around this whole problem uh, what we need to do actually is twofold 
like we need to buy less, right? So we have to consume less. But think about the negative repercussions on the consumer manufacturing industry, right? They thrive on the fact that we are a throwaway culture. Uh, and the fact that we actually, you know, all of the goods that we buy, right, are actually not built to last for a very long time, right? They're actually built with an expiry date in mind, okay? And we are intended to continue to buy, continue to buy and consume in order to fuel our economic growth. And that kind of leads to our next uh, chapter where we're looking at macro and the sources of economic growth. So what can fuel a country's economic growth? One of them is actually the consumption of goods and services. So you and me doing our online shopping, for example, buying things that we might not necessarily need, throwing them out and buying the new product, for example. It could even be like your electronic devices, right? There's a, there's a sort of like, you know, uh, a mental kind of expiry when they start working uh, less uh, well than they did before, right? And the fact that if we can actually start using less, we can actually cut down of some of our marginal external costs and look into more environmentally sustainable options. So we will discuss ideas of uh, sustainable growth, uh, which is actually economic growth that does not come at the expense of environmental sustainability, as well as uh, different models of economic growth in different countries. So I've, I felt that this issue of climate change was actually a very great bridge right, from our micro. Right? So all of our as analysis of uh, the different sources of market failure. And now we're going to broaden our perspective and look at climate change actually from a more macro and broader perspective. Right, so I hope to I hope that you've enjoyed the discussion so far about market failure, and I'll see you in our next episode when we go from the trees to the forest, micro to macro. <laughs>